Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dire wave. Three. Our anthropology is not derived by human psychology or you know empirical data from MIT or something like this. It's derived from the revealed aspect of, of what we see in Christology. And so there's no real way to diagnose man's problem and to understand man and man's anthropology, as I said, without the, the right theology.
is the icon of the Father, and man is the icon of God. We are the image of God. Dire Wave 3. correct screen here we're live so oh there we go okay cool don't say your horrid bigot things <laughs> your horrible bigot, bigotries in, uh, until you realize we're live <laughs> i'll try to restrain myself <laughs> all the sizing got messed up so let me see there we go yeah there we go where's your uh witch burning background that was some fire background you had that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I just went with uh, just some basic, something basic for some today. Basics. All right. There we go. Yeah, so welcome, everybody. Today we have our esteemed guest and friend, Rachel uh, Wilson, who has her channel linked in the show description as Rachel Wilson, the Rachel Yay. Wilson channel. And we, I did a stream a couple nights ago, and a shout out to Father John Whiteford for sharing that. Um, appreciate that quite a bit. And uh, that was a kind of a, a, a feisty stream covering the topic of <clears throat> institutional subversion, institutional capture. And of course, uh, Rachel is a great researcher and author on this topic because she recently put together a piece. I meant to have that linked. Let me pull that up. I've got it. It's your sub Substack article on how institutions subvert Christianity. So let's uh, maybe kick it off with that one because that yeah. was such a powerful article. Um, before we do that, though, uh, everybody guys know that, you know, Rachel uh, covers occult feminism. I've got her book here with me. If you don't have her excellent book, Occult Feminism, be sure and get it. You can get that over uh, in her links. I'll put a link to that book as well, Occult Feminism. We just did an interview couple weeks ago before all of our uh, Austin event and all that madness that we were involved in. And uh, we had a great response, Rachel. I think we've gotten over 20,000 on yeah. our interview. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's super cool. Thank you, everybody, so much for sharing <coughs> and commenting and all that stuff. I was pleasantly surprised. So thanks a lot. 
So here's the link to the uh, article that we're going to start with. And Rachel's got a bunch of other research that she can go into. And remember, we are on YouTube, so we're going to have to use, uh, you know, code words if we can. Yes. And uh, her article is right there. It's called How Big Foundation Money is Subverting uh, Traditional Christianity. So first, before we get into it, uh, how did you get interested in that topic? Because aside from myself and maybe two or three other people, nobody ever seems to talk about this or notice this, that foundation money, secret money, big money, that's how you change these institutions. Well, it was kind of a couple things. One is that it did overlap a bit with the research I did for my book, which took me like two and a half years. So <laughs> kind of covered a lot of territory, but I did keep running into this repeatedly that these like early feminist groups would, uh, you know, get basically the people who were at the forefront of that would get this grant money or foundation money or kind of be pushed forward by big philanthropic foundations, the typical ones that we hear about, like the Rockefellers and Ford Foundation and things like that. And um, the reason I wrote this article is because of last summer when there was a big kerfuffle with Abbott Trifon, and I saw the people who were pushing lots of lies and just outright false information about that. And rather than just you know, yelling at them on Twitter or something, I thought, well, let's find out who funds these entities. And I had, I had kind of caught on to that like a year before and noticed some things and made some notes. And I had a folder, as Jim Bob might say, um, about some of these folks and some of these entities. And sure enough, I looked into it and the people who were pushing all this stuff about Abbott Trifon were the usual suspects. And if you looked into them, I found who did all their funding and who who puts them out there, right? Because they don't just, they don't have to do what you have to do, which is build an audience from the ground up, taking years to organically get a following and have people listen to you. No, they get giant amounts of funding and they get pushed by really, really big institutions to say certain things and push certain narratives. So that I just thought, well, let's take a look and see what these people are about and where they get their money from and who is pushing them. And so that's what this article is. And of course, you noted uh, that, as we pointed out over here, it's not really different in terms of institutional capture, <clears throat> institutional subversion for Protestants and Roman Catholics, right? Those groups right. also saw the same type of subversion and change in theology and doctrine. Now, in the Protestant world, um, you can go back to the 20s and 30s and 40s when, as I've detailed from the Rockefeller's uh, authorized biography, they intentionally bought... Uh, seminaries, professors, professorships, donated money, created essentially the, the movement of liberal Protestantism to counteract uh, what they called fundamentalism. And fundamentalism wasn't just crazy, you know, uh, preachers out in the boonies that, you know, thought it was into the world and the rapture was coming. Fundamentalism was defined at that time as believing five fundamentals of Christianity, which we all would believe the virgin yeah. birth, the Trinity, the bodily resurrection inspiration of scriptures and so forth. So that was actually what fundamentalism was. And that's what liberal Protestantism was created. It was actually a creation. I'm not saying there weren't already liberal tendencies in Protestantism. There were with, uh, you know, Lutheranism and Julius Wellhausen and the documentary hypothesis. Sure. But in America in the 20th century, we can specifically trace to the families, to the foundations that bragged about how they would change the institution of Protestant Christianity by design, and that includes feminism, it includes um, new sexual moralities, 
It includes uh, new ideas of what men and women are. It includes all of the things that you could you would expect, and that essentially is funneled into the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches uh, via Rockefeller money. But it doesn't stop there. You have to understand that you have Union Seminary created by the Rockefellers. You have Riverside Cathedral created by the Rockefellers to initiate this new era of a kind of new Christianity, which is intended to be uh, blended with something down the road, which we've talked about in other streams about the Vatican, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about, it's not just uh, let's create a parallel institution, a parallel outside of your church thing. They also want to change from within the churches via we'll buy you uh, a giant million dollar complex for your seminary. We will pay for uh, grant money, uh, grant money for your, uh, at Fordham University. We will do this. We will do that. You get all this money if you push this agenda. And they put heat on the clerics. They put heat on the people to bend and to cave to this agenda. And that's how it really actually in the real world works. Yeah. So that's what I wrote in my Substack article is I really wanted to break this down and make it easy for people to understand so they could follow like a direct trail. Because as you said, when you try to bring this up, you get a lot of people, even people who you would think should be kind of like on our side on this, pushing back and be like, no, that's a conspiracy. Don't say that. And they think it like discredits the religion to say that, which it doesn't. It's just that we have a century plus. I mean, there's always been some level of institutional subversion with the churches, but it really got going with these philanthropic foundations, which I would argue are not really philanthropic at all. It's kind of a cover. It's like a way to essentially um, wash money, send it where you want, do activism, influence public policy, influence the institutions and say, oh, I'm just doing charity, right? Oh, we're just, we're just, um, you know, advocating for this cause, but that's not really what's going on. So when I looked into Fordham, which Sarah Riccardi Schwartz comes from, um, she is, she works with them and for them. She's part of um, the orth public orthodoxy circles, right? Um, that whole thing, that whole program through Fordham is funded by the Luce Foundation. You go right to their website. It will tell you, they even have the logo. They'll say, this is all funded by the Luce Foundation. And if you guys don't know who Henry Luce was, he was a multi-billionaire, uh, skull and bones, bohemian club guy. Uh, he started Lifetime Life magazine. Yes, exactly. Um, and he created something in 1968 called the Luce Professorship Program. And this was an extension of like kind of a public declaration he had made in 1941 at the beginning of the war, where he said, it was kind of a manifesto that he published in his own magazine where he called it the great American century, which kind of instantly reminded me of project for a new American century. And it's along those lines where he said, yep. uh, we, we need like a progressive democratic internationalism. We have to take our Americanist progressive democracy and spread it internationally, which is basically the Bush doctrine. So this stuff is really old. This is not new at all. It's the same people. It's the same agenda. Um, and I will get into a little bit later how the Bush Foundation, which has the same manifesto as the Loose Foundation, uh, also funded these same kind of, pro of projects. So, um, yeah, this was... Uh, let me comment on this because I talked yeah, about sure. this today on uh, Lord Voldemort 
in the fourth hour. And what we were talking about was the uh, era of the Cold War. <clears throat> Prior to the Cold War in the 1940s, you had the creation uh, not just with NATO <clears throat> in the 1940s as a way to hedge uh, against the Soviet Union, supposedly from a defensive standpoint. You also had the uh, the Keenan Doctrine, which ties into what Rachel's talking about, which is the idea uh, coming out of the State Department uh, for policy planning in the 1940s. It was an integral uh, memorandum classified as top secret, and it was called the American Century. Keenan's thesis was, uh, as it was eventually classified, that we have about 50% of the world's wealth, but 6% of the world's population. In this situation, we cannot fail to see the object and the envy and uh, be the object and, of envy and resentment of the rest of the world. Thus, in order to maintain this uh, disparity and, and so forth, we will have to engage in what was at that time the leading post-war planners designed for a uh, Americanist world order. But this is not what you think of nowadays as, well, we're just fighting for America. We're fighting for freedoms. No, no, no. The American century is the globalist century. Nothing to do with you as Americans. The architects of this post-war U.S. dominated order explicitly chose not to call it an empire. However, it would be an empire wherein the United States would, in order to project its imperial power, use the guise of colonial liberation, democracy, free markets, and human rights as an effective diabolical propaganda coup across the world. So the extension of Americanism, and that includes the morality of Americanism, which is now Skittles changing your biology. That is part of this agenda that must be expanded and extended to Russia, Eurasia and every country. So yes. that doesn't just extend geopolitically and foreign policy. What Rachel's describing is also a domestic imperative that is part and parcel of the neoliberal imperium, the American century, changing the churches to align with this geopolitical agenda. And this, by the way, comes from Full Spectrum Dominance by F. William Ingdahl, a great book about getting into the very things Rachel's talking about. Yeah, so <clears throat> part of the reason they chose this strategy, because we're talking about Loose Foundation starting in 1936, and then his big manifesto, The Great American Century in 1941, is because back in 1918, when the Bolsheviks took over in Russia, they had the idea to just eliminate the church. <clears throat> we're just going to get rid of it. We're going to take and seize their properties, seize their wealth. There will be no more church. That's it. And even within Bolshevik factions, there were people like Anatoly Lunacharsky and Maxim Gorky who said, that's a really bad idea. You can't do that. Like religion's kind of an intrinsic part of being human and you're going to get some serious backlash that's going to just be really counterproductive, which is exactly what happened. Um, that did not go as well as they had hoped in Russia. And then when they tried doing um, de-veiling campaigns in Central Asia around the same time, it ended the same way with like massacre and resistance and horrible things happening and lots and lots of pushback, lots of resistance. It kind of galvanized the resistance rather than helping. So they decided a much better tactic is you just um, infiltrate the institutions, you infiltrate the churches and you change them from within. And um, if you go to Sarah Riccardi Schwartz's own website and you look at her newest um, project she's working on, she says right there that 
she's upset about institutional hierarchs silencing the voices of women and Skittles people, and that her new project as an orthodox feminist seeks to transform tradition. She doesn't want to upend it. She wants to completely transform it so that, you know, we're looking at like women clergy. We're looking at Skittles clergy. We're looking at uh, Skittles affirmations in the church and things like this. And if you look at what Fordham is doing, they had this huge conference on LGBT acceptance. It was framed as, oh, we're just exploring this, but it wasn't at all that they were exploring it. They were very heavily pushing it. Um, so that's what's going on. But back to Loose Foundation, because this is like a, a root, right, that spread everywhere. And it wasn't just orthodoxy that was affected. Over the course of 30 years, from 1968 to 1998, the Loose Professorship Program placed 72 new faculty appointees at over 50 colleges and universities throughout the United States. So what they did, and this is super common now, they were just the first ones to kind of pilot this program, create a professorship program where we're going to award certain academics with a professorship. It's kind of like uh, like an award that you get, right? Where if you're going to tow the progressive agenda that they want, they're going to award you a professorship and you literally just get plopped into a major university to uh, push their agenda. So uh, they started that and now it's super common. You see all kinds of institutions and foundations doing this, where they pick certain academics who they know are gonna to toe the line and they place them strategically in areas of power. For example, this worked so well that a little bit down the road, the Henry Luce III Fellows in Theology program was created. And this had a stated goal of fostering interreligious dialogue, religious diversity, guys. <laughs> um, there's one professor that, um, used the loose fellowship program to do research on global warming and how it um coincides with like end times theology just as an example of one of these current people that i found so yeah this is what they do this is how they infiltrate and they specifically look for positions where that person is going to be a scholar who's going to have influence and be advising public policy and media institutions absolutely and i'm going to show you the cia quote right here that proves that from David Wimhoff's book, which is a 800-page, uh, thousand-footnote traditional Catholic lawyer who has documented all this with uh, exceptional scholarship and detail. In terms of how this was geared towards uh, the Roman Catholic Church, it's called the Doctrinal Warfare Program. This is C.D. Jackson's program together with Henry Luce of the Luce Foundation, yes. Time Magazine, CIA, Skull and Bones, to create an infiltrated network who could steer and change the morality and the theology of the Roman Catholic Church to the purposes of the American century and Americanism. And so here you have right here, look at this page. Everybody can see that. I'm going to read it for you because we got a lot of slow boys out there who can't read. They would never read an 800-page book on this topic. They think this is an insane conspiracy theory. But I'm going to show you the actual declassified document from C.D. Jackson's own writings and papers. It says, quote, let's can't read it while it's all the way over there. It's not very long. <clears throat> the Department of State was responsible for increasing doctrinal materials in Voice of America broadcasts, particularly for publicizing and promoting interest in terms of doctrinal and theological matters. The Department of Defense, is during the Cold War, was responsible for providing <clears throat> officers and enlisted personnel in service schools and units with a doctrinal theological background. 
speeches, technical magazines, and others would be <clears throat> involved in this corporate doctrinal aspect. The CIA's responsibilities were set forth in an annex uh, called Annex B, a top secret document that was later declassified in 2013. The CIA stated, quote, infiltrate individuals into foreign associations with theological potential, doctrinal potential, including newspapers, universities, etc., to influence their output. When appropriate, stimulate through non-attributable means, conferences, and public forums, matters of doctrinal issue. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Academic forums, academic gatherings, conferences. Interfere with the promotion and distribution of hostile doctrinal theology. That is hostile to the agenda of American Americanism. This is the same, you're saying that what Rachel's talking about is this program. She's talking about people in this program today create a deviationist movement that is designed to split existing organizations by promulgating hostile ideologies so as long as so so long as they are no longer a threat to US security. In other words, that neutralize by making them skittles. Exploit local divergencies and local heresies. Exploit local heresies for the United States and the CIA's agenda. So stop being naive. Stop being dumb and realize that this is how the world really works. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's real doctrinal declassified programs. I'm just I'm ranting because I have to deal all the time with just stupid, naive people who act like this isn't real and who think that I'm the bad guy or you're the bad guy for talking about these things. You're the conspiracy theorist. You're saying scary things. You're a naive, childish, immature person who's going to have your church and your jurisdiction destroyed by this stuff if you don't understand that this is very real. You're yeah, not immune. Not a- you're not immune to this because you're orthodox. Oh, I'm orthodox. It's not gonna happen to me. We're orthodox. <laughs> no, it will happen to you. It's happening to you now. Yeah, and it's not hard to find. They tell you about it on their own websites. If you actually just go look, it's just that most people won't go look and come through it, and they always present it as like a very uh, a, a good thing that they're doing, right? Because we want diversity and inclusivity. It's the same way that they push this agenda in other sectors. They do the same thing in in the religious sector. Well, it's ironic Another- that, that Sarah Riccardi Swartz has called Father uh, Damick a fascist, a right-wing fascist, when the, the irony of all that is that she's the very type of person that Father Damick wanted to placate and please by coming after me. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, that's exactly so true. Go. 
That's exactly right. And I mean, you guys know, right, that in order to write her book, she infiltrated a small Appalachian parish for over a year and pretended to be one of them and like completely betrayed those people. Um, how do you think she did that? You don't, did she pay for that out of her own pocket? Absolutely not. She gets foundation money from uh, Fordham and public orthodoxy and the universities that she works with to do these things. They, She's basically kind of writing a hit piece on their behalf. So I thought, well, turnabout's fair play. I'll just do the same thing and find out what, you know, who's putting you up to this and where you're getting your funding from, because all she'll do is you can't talk to her. She'll just block you. But another really common example of this, another one, um, Columbia University got a huge grant from Luce Foundation to create something called the Center for Democracy, Toleration, and Religion, which seeks to wedge feminist skittles, progress progressive ideologies, specifically into traditional religions. So they're not worried about the already like progressive churches as much. They're specifically looking for like traditional Catholics, traditional Orthodox, and even traditional Muslim institutions to infiltrate and push. Exactly feminism and skittle stuff everywhere um, and keep so in mind too a lot of people might find this hard to believe because they have a very low iq low information mindset which is that well the cia fought against the liberals in the cold war so how could the cia be for skittle stuff why well, they wouldn't promote that because they fought the commies uh did you know that the communist party had an anti-skittles platform and the cia pushed the skittles to combat the communist platform. How ignorant are you people? You don't understand that the CIA funded Miss Magazine and Feminism. The CIA put money into Playboy Magazine. Yes. They funded and supported the radical sexual <laughs> movements against communist and Soviet party platforms. That does not mean the communists and Soviets are good people. But what <laughs> I'm saying is that that, <laughs> uh, that strategy was liberation and sexual liberation against communism. Yeah, us down here on the ground, we care about theology and public policy and politics. These people don't. They want power. They don't care about your beliefs. They don't care about the plight of LGBT people or uh, sideline marginalized communities. No, this is all about power. It's all about influence and power. So it's you got to get rid of this mindset that like there's good guys over here and there's bad guys over here no the world is basically run by a bunch of criminal organizations that are fighting for power and dominance and they'll use whatever means to get there right so now with but with the big push for internationalism and globalism and like a one world religion you want to you don't want any institutions that do have things they really stand for like this so if you do have something like areas of the traditional Catholic church or, or Islam or orthodoxy that are still holding tradition, you've got to get in there and break that up. And this is the stated goal of these people. So for Fordham Center, if you guys don't believe that this affects orthodoxy, Fordham Center for Orthodox Christian Studies had a loose funded 2019 Oxford Conference on Orthodox Christian Sexual Diversity and Public Policy. And this was a very thinly veiled attempt to push Skittle stuff into the church. Um, I won't go into super detail about that here just because I don't wanna get Jay's channel in trouble or anything, but if you wanna know like some of the people and what they said and some quotes from them and what they were doing at this conference, I have that in the article. But yeah, it was basically like a first 
big push publicly to try to get Skittle stuff into orthodoxy and to say like, well, how long are we going to be the backwards religion that's not going with the flow that everyone else is and stuff like that. And so they have their, their special group of academics that push this stuff and it became like this big thing. And then if you spoke out against it, of course you're a bigot. So um, yeah, Fordham OSC is also funded by the British Council. If you guys ever look into the British Council, they fund, it's another massive NGO that kind of does the bidding of the crown, but does a lot of globalist British empire type activities. Um, and they, yeah, they fund LGBT. Yeah, and that's all for, for those that are wondering, uh, that is in this uh, older ortho Christian article, which uh, you've seen me cite many, many times. I'm putting it in the chat right there. That's the one that references the British Council uh, giving the money to Aristotle Papa Nicolou, uh, Archbishop Demetrius, Chair in Orthodox Theological Studies, and George Demacopoulos uh, getting uh, grant money from the British Council. And I mean, <clears throat> you know, th it's not accidental, by the way, that these are all the same people that push that if you don't go along with this, you are part of the Russian bot agenda. And so that's yes. why they focus on Rokor and Russian Orthodox churches is that it's all part of the overall geopolitical strategy and attack uh, on the uh, Russian church and what's going on in the Ukraine. That is why a lot of most of the people, by the way, that are aligned against myself and people in our circles uh, are coming out of the OCA circles that are aligned with these people who also uh, want to be aligned with Bartholomew and the CIA and the State Department in regard to um, they they're going to want to paint they're going to paint us all as Russian bots, Russian spies, Russian operatives. They've already been doing that for a long time, uh, and that that ties into this is what I'm trying to say because it's not just an issue of the sexual morals, like yeah. Rachel said. They don't really care about your sexual morals. This is a longer, bigger strategy that deals with using religious institutions as NGOs and forms of soft power. And so if the Russian Orthodox Church, for whatever faults and problems it has, if it can project its version of soft power in the global sphere that it is against the Skittles agenda, then naturally this sphere, this NATO sphere, what did NATO just uh, tweet out? We're fighting with Thanos and the Marvel good guys against, uh, uh, we're fighting against Thanos, Putin, and we're the Marvel Avengers superheroes literally putting it into this soy bugman level of stuff. And uh, the clerics who go along with this are at that same tier of this. I mean, they're also soy bugmen as well, because you'll notice uh, in a recent ecumenist gathering, this was crazy. Mark Hackard sent me this. I actually couldn't believe that this was real. This is a bunch of, let me find it. <clears throat> clerics, Orthodox, I think. I can't tell if they're uniate or Orthodox, but it's like, let me see if I, I think I can pull this up on the screen for everybody. Rachel, man, you may not be able to see it, but let's just notice the, the hypocrisy of this. Okay. So who would, uh, these Fordham people, they would call us right-wing Nazis, right? Hmm. We're right-wing Nazis, which is just insane. Uh, Russia fought Nazis. How can be a Nazi when Russians are like the enemy? Of, I mean, that's like the ultimate enemy. And who are the real Nazis in the Ukraine right now? Oh, it's these people, the real Nazis. Let's put this up on the screen. There we go. And what is this? Oh, this is a Catholic church where we have what look like Orthodox clergy, Roman Catholic bishops, cardinals, 
in a big ecumenist gathering, and they are there with the flag of the Azov Connected group. Let me see exactly who this is. The UPA. UPA is the earlier Iranian, or excuse me, Ukrainian insurgent army supported by the Nazis and then the Galen Network. And then the UNO is the Ukrainian Nationalist Organization. And so UPA, UNO are basically uh, tied together. So basically they're all just standing there with a Nazi Azov connected flag. Oh, but they're pious anti-Putin people, you see. So they're actually literally there with like <clears throat> Nazi network, Galen network, Gladio network people. But if you're opposed to that, you're a Nazi. You see, yeah. this is social crazy, shaming this is, is a big part of the strategy. Socially shaming people and saying like, if you're not with us, you're a bigot, you're a insert whatever kind of insult here. Um, and this works particularly well on women, um, which is why I think they're always pushing for women to be clergy and other things like that is because women are much more susceptible to social shame in general. And if they feel like they're hurting people's feelings or not being good, you know, it's very easy to influence them that way. So I think that's another reason they push this stuff. Well, it's like, the social you're mean. Yeah, it's the, your mean. The social shaming you... stuff that they do like that, that's also uh, really close to the pie. It's like another type of piety signaling where it's like, mm -hmm. let's all gather around and figure out how super pious and self-righteous we are because we're better than the people that uh, don't approve of these lifestyles or who speak out about these types of things. Those are the bad people. We have to shame them and shout them down. But meanwhile, we pretend that we're doing it out of a place of piety and a place of superiority and a place of moral one-upping. But actually, yeah. that is even more demonic than the people who actually are just straight up evil, right? Because yeah. that's a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a person who pretends to have this super spiritual sort of uh, uh, you know air about them. And they're better than everyone else because of their piety. What does the Pharisee and the, and the publican, what, what does he say? I thank God that I'm not like this man over here. Right. Yes. I pay. I so he knows he's not, he's, he's piety signaling. Okay. And these people who are on this crusade, they're piety signalers too. They're yes. just leftist piety signal. You can be a right wing Pharisee. Sure. But these are the opposite type of Pharisee. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you take a look right now at the top institutions that are funding Skittle stuff in churches, um, you can go to lgbtfunders.org and they have a list of the top 10 foundations and NGOs that contribute the most money. Of course, they think this is a good thing. So they're like, look at these wonderful organizations and all that they're doing to infiltrate the church with Skittle stuff. Um, and the number one foundation that contributes to this um, in the last 10 years is the Arcus Foundation, which is right here next to me. It is like 30 minutes from where I live here in Michigan. And it's a foundation that was funded by John Stryker, who's the heir to the Stryker fortune. If you guys have ever seen hospital equipment that says Stryker, that company makes all of that equipment for like every hospital. Huge company, tons of money. Um, in the last 10 years, this website says $36 million have been awarded to entities that want to connect religious institutions with Skittles communities. So $36 million, that's not nothing, right? 
Um, at Arcus, they say half of their staff is identifies as Skittles. Uh, they fight for Skittles rights, social justice, apes, and the environment. So they have this weird overlap where they're like, everyone should be Skittles. And also, we're going to preserve great apes for some reason. Very bizarre, but that's their thing, I guess. Um, and in 2017, uh, a really cool reporter found out that 2017 Global Religions Program was this big funding pr program that received funding from this entity to promote LGBT in Abrahamic religions. So it was specifically a program that got this huge grant to figure out how to insert Skittle stuff into traditional Islam, Roman Catholicism, and any orthodoxy and protestantism and judaism i believe so all three major like abrahamic religions as they would call them they were trying to figure out how do we finally basically knock down the last bastions that are trying to resist skittle stuff in the abrahamic religions because they want ecumenism they want this combination of this like abrahamic faith center that you guys have seen being built and stuff like that and they know that a major stumbling block to that is the traditions within all of these churches that still have, you know, resistance to this agenda. So that's a major push for their funding. They uh, gave $120,000 to a news outlet called Religious News Service. I guess that's a pretty influential, like, media conglomeration in the United States for religious radio programs and media programs. Um, and this was to target traditional Christian churches to accept Skittle stuff. In 2015, uh, Arcus gave an unprecedented $15 million for um, change your biology programs worldwide in the churches. So that's the next thing is going to be the transformers uh, being pushed into the church and $15 million worldwide. And then there were two other foundations that added an additional $5 million for a total of $20 million just in 2015 to push this agenda worldwide in all the churches. And then another 200,000 to a Catholic Skittles group and sent them to like the Catholic Youth Festival in 2015 to like terrorize and counter and like disrupt this more traditional Catholic Youth Festival that was teaching that, you know, LGBT stuff was not to be accepted, but rather was something that you can repent from and things along that line. So they're very serious about this. And this uh, Arcus Foundation is heavily tied to the Obama administration when it was around. The guy who is their um, director was in the Obama administration. He was a White House staffer. Um, and he, yeah, he was the, I think he's still the acting executive director, but he came, they got him straight out of the Obama admin where when he was there, um, can, they contributed $1 million to the Obama State Department Global Equality Fund, and his portion of that was to try to get it to churches and stuff. So it's all connected. That's another thing to take away. Yeah, The foundations are connected to the governments that are connected to the corporations that are connected to the media organizations. And if you look at who's on these boards, it's the same people. You'll have one guy that's on like 12 different boards. Yeah, which is, yeah, and this is something we talked about for many, many years. This is the revolving door. This is how the steering committee style of governance of shadow governance actually works as we covered it today yes. because 
the same people that are on the Trilateral Commission are part of Bilderberg, and they're also part of uh, the CFR, and they're all uh, uh, in moving in those same worlds. And it's very much a, a small number of people who, uh, as you said, sit on many of these boards and run and promote and control a lot of these things. I was trying to show everybody this quote from uh, St. Paisios in the, but it my, it's not working over here in Streamlabs. So if you go into this actual article uh, where they, <clears throat> where uh, Ortho Christian showed the scandalous mixed media event uh, that they had at Fordham, the Orthodox mixed media event, which had the um, T-R-I-N-S-V-E-S-T-I-T-E guy, uh, Nicholas, uh, like the, the guy thinks he's a vampire or something like that. Vampire Orthodox guy. I'm not joking. Um, just really weird. And, and he's, and St. Paisio says that if you tolerate and put up with people doing this kind of stuff and you do it under the cloak of piety, he says you're demonic. And that's the point here, right? No, it's not demonic to be, uh, opposing these things is right. demonic to pretend that you're for these things out of piety that's wickedness and so the people who oppose us for this kind of stuff are wicked people and we don't hate those people either like we want these people to you know be on the good side be on on the right side of this stuff um, yeah, prob probably a lot of them have kind of fallen for the propaganda as well. It's probably the people maybe at the tippy top and things like that who kind of know what the real gig is. And probably a lot of their foot soldiers truly believe that they are like creating equality for people within the church or like giving women opportunities to serve. You know, you hear these cliches. They always have these different tropes and everything to make it sound like really nice, right? Oh, we're not we're not changing church tradition we just want to create opportunities for women in the church life we want to create um diversity they have all these catchphrases so. that make it sound so nice make it sound so loving and therefore if you're against it well you must just be really mean what do you hate these people do you want to just ostracize them and it's like no that's not what anyone is after here but just to give you like a clue as to what these people are up to at the Fordham conference Gail Wolashock um she did a presentation about she's a scientist and she did a presentation about lgbt stuff and the fact that she thinks it's a genetic evolutionary paradigm she's an evolutionary biologist she believes in evolution she affirms that it is true and claims that you can stuff that within orthodoxy and make it work right and she a quote from her article that she had at this conference was we need to consider as a church new questions that were not discussed until recently in relation to sexuality this will invite us to ask how far we should go in expecting people to ignore genetic inclinations so she's inferring that you're born this way and she said are human beings just about evolution where reproduction is the only real driver or are we also about relationships and communion have we articulated a theology to deal with same-sex behaviors as in science so in theology there is much work to be done so i mean they tell you what they're doing it's just are you going to fall for the flowery language or are you going to understand what that actually means as far as what they want to do to the church yeah, and, and, you know, five years ago when I, um, you know, talked about what was going on in Ancient Faith Radio, uh, the immediate response, which kind of surprised me at the time, was to come after me. 
and to explain why I'm such a bad person, why I need to be excommunicated from as soon as I join the church. This was a campaign that Father Damick uh, launched against me. Thank God it was unsuccessful, and I almost didn't become Orthodox because because of this. And that, that was done, I think, on purpose to try to get me to not become Orthodox, right? Because yeah. the, the sad part of it of this is is that when you find jurisdictions and, and uh, churches that are into these kinds of things, um, you're going to find out pretty quick whether they want you there, and they will make it very clear that you know you're not welcome there if you uh, are of these persuasions these normal persuasions okay these are the abnormal people not us right and so these are the people that uh in the churches commune openly skittles and changed people they don't care and they do it openly and defiantly number one because they're scared but uh it, it but how like how are we the bad person for this like i'm not a bad person for talking about the fact that this doesn't make sense in this religion. If you want, I mean, everybody has the freedom. You you have the freedom. I'm not saying you should, but you have the freedom to go and live this way. Right. But yeah, why does it, why do you have to try to change? This is the weird part is that why do you feel the impetus and the drive to change some other institution or some church? Right. I mean, right. if I was like, if I just wanted to, I don't know, let's say be a, a let's say I want to be a pimp and I want to have a harem. I want to be a, a tape, bro. Why would I care? I don't care what these people do, but this is another level beyond that. This is an, a drive, a power to change the existing institutions as part of some campaign, some, some warfare that you're engaged in, right? Yeah. To promote what is obviously wickedness. And these people have not just stopped at we just want to be recognized to have our own tastes. No, no, no. It's now your kids. And so you mm -hmm. are siding with people who now want to go after the kids. You are completely wicked if you do this. Do you understand? What does Jesus say about those that harm kids? You are aligning yourself with these people. All of you wicked people that are aligning yourself to this. Clerics especially. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I would argue that this is not loving at all. I mean, I have five children, and if I just indulged their wants and their whims and in order to affirm them and not hurt their feelings and make them feel good about themselves all the time, I'd be a terrible mother. There are times where you have to say, I understand that you're struggling with this thing or you want to do this thing, but that's not what's best for you, and so we're not going to do that, right? And the church is 
supposed to be a hospital for souls. It's not supposed to affirm your current condition and tell you you're wonderful just the way you are and you don't need to repent. You don't need to struggle and you don't need to fast and all these things. And that's what these people want to do. So, I mean, uh, just like I was here last time, guys, talking about the women's Bible, the people who rewrote the Bible and made it into the women's Bible, right in the foreword said the purpose of this Bible is because we can't get rid of the institution of Christianity. It's way too influential. It's way too powerful. It's not going to go away. Therefore, we will infiltrate it and change it into something unrecognizable. That's what they put right in the forward. We have to change Christianity to something that's unrecognizable. And when you think about that, and then you look at this quote from Sarah Riccardi Schwartz, where she said, um, Within conservative forms of Christianity, such as Eastern Orthodoxy, women's roles have historically been monitored and minimized with institutional hierarchs silencing the voices of women and members of the Skittles community. What does it mean to be a progressive female activist in a church that historically refuses to acknowledge her equality? How will conservative Christianity be transformed by women who are leading the way to create a new status quo in the Orthodox Church, one that focuses on inclusivity and intersectionality? This project will reveal how Orthodox feminist activists are pushing back against the hegemony of patriarchal Christianity, seeking not to upend tradition, but to transform it even through socio-religious transgression. I mean, that's very aggressive. That's very like she's telling you exactly what she's trying to do. And how how a priest or a bishop can be like, yeah, that's fine. That's good. And give her money. Like, like give her some money so she can do this. That's like beyond me. I don't understand it at all. Well, and uh, uh, if anybody wants more information, my publisher uh, puts out the excellent two-volume series from Whitney Webb on how blackmail actually works to control yeah. influential and powerful people. Now, if you think that this only applies to government you are a naive childish person this this applies to anyone who has a powerful position in the social sphere one nation under blackmail by whitney webb excellent two volume series i just got yeah. i just got mine the other day just started getting into it obviously rachel's books too uh but the re reason i point these books out is that i mean th these are like these are real texts that are blowing open this whole scam and this whole shutdown system. And the, the, the people in the church that push this stuff, by the way, they're, they're almost always on the wrong side on everything, right? Like yeah. they're going to be pushing ecumenism. They're going to be pushing evolution. They're going to be pushing, uh, destroy Russia, nuke Russia, pro Ukraine, pro schismatics, pro EP, pro environment they were the same people that wanted to shut all your churches down tell you not to venerate the icons throughout yeah. all of this uh last three years you have to get the stabbies some of these bishops even saying that you're liable for murder if you're a priest in their jurisdictions and you don't submit to their banning of the chalice banning of the uh, uh, uh venerating the icons threatening to take people to court for murder unbelievable wild this is just crazy. So what all I'm saying is that those same people, they're almost always going to be aligned on the same stuff. Now, every now and then, some of them will put forward a face of, oh, uh, no, 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 I've signed the declaration of the OCA that I don't believe in, uh, you know, marriage between Skittles. Uh, and then they are s on the side covertly supporting all this stuff. 
So don't be naive and think that just because somebody signs a, a document that, oh, well, then I guess they believe it. They would never they would never sign a document and subvert the document they signed. And nobody does that. Everybody's honest <laughs> right. and totally altruistic. And they, everybody does what they say. Let's be realistic, man. Okay, the Orthodox Church is not immune to the exact same blackmail, compromise, and corruption as any other institution out there. It's not immune. I think it has the, the means by which it can survive. Yeah. But there are many times in church history when the church is decimated. It is destroyed down to a few bishops left. Multiple times that's happened. And it's entirely possible it can happen in our day. I'm not saying we're necessarily at that point, but I'm trying to warn you guys that it's absolutely the case that that can happen. We can have a, a we can have all the patriarchs go bad, go sour. Right. That is possible in my understanding, my, my view. Right. I don't think that all the patriarchs are protected. Yeah, I would agree with that. And again, this can't be a conspiracy when all I have to do is go to their own websites and they tell me exactly what they're trying to do. And they tell me who's giving them the money and I can trace the funding back. And again, this is like a, it's like a giant tentacle monster where um, like this fellow Kevin Jennings, who runs Arcus Foundation, that's giving all the Skittles money to infiltrate specifically traditional churches. He was also the founder of another organization. Like I said, these people are usually have their hands in like multiple cookie jars. They're in multiple different aspects of things. He had one called GLSEN, which stands for Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, which has infiltrated thousands of U.S. secondary schools with Skittle propaganda. So not only is he working on your churches, he's also working on your children's schools at the same time to push this agenda. And again, it's like, if they're so altruistic and they have such good intentions, why are they trying to go around the parents and get the kids? Because if you ask them, they'll tell you, well, we think the parents aren't going to teach them what we want, so we're going to teach them what we want. And that's how this works. The chat says that you are floating in space because it's like a, and so you're promoting conspiracy theories from space. How dare you? Well, How we don't want to, let's not get into my uh, opinions about space How on YouTube. You. How <laughs> dare you to quote Bill Clinton? Yeah. So it's time to wise up, right? It's time to understand that, um, you know, and, th and it's not going to go away because, oh, uh, well, you know, one, one OCA bishop, uh, you know, is going to pass away who, you know, fosters a lot of this or something like that. Right. Oh, it's, oh, well in five years, well, no, no, no. It's not going away because it's more than just this or that bishop. It's also, uh, uh, an institutional capture and a bunch of money behind it. Right. Yes. That is pushing this in multiple areas. And it's not just the OCA that has this issue. There's other jurisdictions that have the exact same, especially the Greeks have this problem big time. Um, and Antiochians do as well. And so I'm only yeah. saying this because you have to understand it's not just an ideological battle. There's actually people now coordinating, working together to try to push people like myself, push other people like us out of the church because they want the church to go in a certain direction and they don't want people that they don't control to be able to speak out, to have a sub stack, to have a YouTube channel to not listen to ancient faith radio or my OCN, right? Which have pushed and posted Skittles stuff for a long time. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at those top 10 foundations I was saying that give the most money to this, um, it's Arcus is number one, but right after that is Ford Foundation, Open Society, the Bush Foundation. So it's like, these are all huge multi-million dollar, if not billion dollar entities. So yeah, thinking that one bishop or a couple guys is the problem, oh no. Because first of all, if they have people that won't go along, it's very easy through the process that we just explained for them to select a person who will be an agent of their agenda and put them where they want them. And they they will do anything they need to do to remove someone who's a problem. They can use blackmail. They can create a scandal. They can have false allegations, just like you see in other places, right? So if you see in government... Um, false accusations being thrown at men by uh, women that are 20, 30 years old. They'll do the same thing here. They, they stick with kind of the same playbook of tactics because it tends to work over and over. Why does it work? Well, because they have people in media, right? They have Operation Mockingbird. They've got a wide network of media institutions that are going to get the memo and repeat, 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 repeat whatever the narrative is that they want to create about someone cause a public outcry, put enough pressure on that person that they either resign or can't afford the court battle, things like that. And then they've got a replacement ready to go and they can put them in through a grant, through a fellowship, through um, some kind of endowment or whatever it is to get the person they need in the position of influence. And then that person can influence academia. They can um, be advisors when you guys see presidents who have spiritual advisors and things like that. Those people generally are placed there and work with academia, media to influence the politician to get public policy changed and things like that. They do the same thing, it's just in the church. So if you know that this happens in politics, it makes no sense to refuse to believe that it would not happen in churches. Well, and there's so many mainline uh, intelligence and his historical analyses that uh, I've been looking through where we have um, infiltration and espionage on a large scale. Now, all of these people, uh, who know about this, ironically, know about the Cold War. Everybody knows the KGB put in bishops. They had spies. They had their own Russian Orthodox bishops that were secretly KGB. Nobody doubts this. Oh, but wait a minute. That doesn't happen nowadays. The Uncle Sam doesn't put in uh, Skittles bishops, doesn't promote these kinds of people, doesn't buy off the EP, doesn't send money by million in the millions to uh, Bartholomew. No, that doesn't happen. That's a conspiracy theory. Oh, that only happened in the Cold War. Oh, we're immune to it now. It doesn't exist anymore. Even though mainline Cold Warriors write about it existing from left and right perspectives. Oh, oh, well, wait a minute. So is this conspiracy theories or is this just facts? Why would you not go after important clerical offices if you were a geostrategic power like the United States? That's what Rachel and I are talking about is that these very documents tell you that. That's precisely what uh, the power structure does, is that it goes after these entities to ensure that they will push the agenda. Yeah, the church has traditionally been a resistance front to these kinds of like globalist and communist and social uh, upheaval things. Like whenever they want to do these big movements, like the, the Russian Orthodox Church was a big problem for the communists it was the main problem probably for them there was other things but it was a huge thing with getting people on board because they were deferring to their priest and to their bishop and to people who said no we're not 
we're not on board with this and we're not going to be on board with it. And so people would resist and this was a major problem, but it hasn't changed at all. So here's another really telling and revealing paragraph. This is from the Loose Foundations paper on their website celebrating its 75 years of influence, <laughs> where they say, one distinguishing component of the Loose Theology Fellowships is the requirement that fellows make their scholarship accessible to broader audiences. This focus on dissemination has yielded impressive results. Fellows have produced more than 100 books to date, and many have published articles in scholarly journals, church publications, and national magazines. Fellows have also become important voices in the media, writing blogs and giving radio and television interviews that provide a scholarly religious perspective on a range of pressing contemporary issues. So they say the, the purpose of us having this theology fellowship is so that we can put people in places where they can reach a much broader, broader audience than even just in that church or that jurisdiction. They're going to go out with the megaphone. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Into the media apparatus and spread this message everywhere. And so if they can get enough people, this is exactly how this happened in the 20th century. They get enough people on all the media outlets in the political, academic, and church institutions repeating the same kind of messaging. And you can see this like in the last 25, 30 years everywhere, right? Different narratives you can think of from the last few years that they just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And what happens is most people because they want to survive and not be, you know, cast out of society, go, well, everyone's saying this. I'm hearing it everywhere. Everybody can't be wrong. You know, if if I'm if I'm seeing it on every news station, I'm hearing it on the radio and my friends are talking about it and it's on social media, it's just everywhere. Well, it must be true. They couldn't all be infiltrated. This is what the normal person thinks. They think, well, they can't all be think of how many people would have to be in on it. Well, this is how they do that. I'm showing you like in real time how this actually works, how they place people in all these different institutions and then they connect them all together. So it creates like this spider web where they create their own reality, they create the narrative and the public has no way of knowing that's what happens. And normal people just listen to the radio or watch TV and they think, well, that must be what it is, right? Yeah, that's but remember Father it. Father Damick says that there's no such thing as institutional capture or subversion because there are no think tanks that buy influence or vie for power in orthodoxy. It doesn't exist. So just just doesn't exist. So it's all made up. It's all uh, tinfoil hat, crackpot, so all of those websites that you're talking about that are public, it actually doesn't exist. 
There are no websites that say these things. So this level of gaslighting, it's like next level where people, they think that in the age of the internet, that's going to actually work. And that's going to keep people, uh, you know, like under this delusion when everybody can go read Rachel's article, everybody can go read these links that talk about the existence of these things that they're yeah, public. I, I tell you in the article, right where I got all of this and I go right to them. It's the same thing I did with my book. I don't go to like a secondary source and like create my own opinion and then frame stuff. No, I just literally go to their own website because they love to brag, right? They love to brag and say, look how effective we are. Look yeah. If you're in the, if you're in doing. your passions and you're completely subservient to, uh, you know, base desires, I mean, you, you're going to be arrogant. You're going to be impelled by that spirit which ultimately yeah. is your own worst enemy and i want to show everybody this so that they understand that i showed that i showed this on the last stream but it's really important for uh tonight's stream because this is the authorized biography of the rockefellers i'll show everybody on my document cam there uh, the collier and horovitz book the classic authorized biography by Collier and Horowitz. Otherwise, this was written from the yeah. Rockefeller Archives, Family History and Archives. <clears throat> and I want you to understand the view of religion that they had when they came up with ecumenism. Junior Rockefeller's goal was to create a new world religion that he he could run and control. This is page 151, right? And that's through... 70 something million dollars put into the ecumenist movement yep. to create the national council of churches and the world council of churches by the 19, I think into the twenties and thirties, the Rockefeller family had put, there you have it, $75 million into ecumenism and, Oh, well, they're just nice. Happy, they're, they're just nice people. They want uh, everybody to, be happy and have a good standard of living. And no, no, these are radical depopulation advocates. Yes. They want to turn the religion to the service of this world religion that they want to create. And I'm trying to find the section where it talks about the, in the Riverside Cathedral, they, they erected um, statues to Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, Darwin. Yeah, they, I have that in my book too. Hegel, they here had, it is. Here it is. Yeah, right. they had like, they had Hegel of all there. people, like Hegel. Like I get all these other people, but I mean, is Hegel really? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think he's totally, you know, amenable to this ideology. But here you go, in in uh, Riverside Cathedral, they created uh, arching main portal that contains figures such as Confucius, Moses, Hegel, Dante, Muhammad, and Darwin. That's the <clears throat> the saints of Junior Rockefeller's New World Religion. And to back up uh, Rachel's point about changing human ethics and human biology, uh, I wanted to show the chapter that we mentioned when, when Rachel and I were talking about Abby Rockefeller's uh, millions of dollars in support to the feminist movement, particularly third wave feminism, and Cell 16, which she was she started yeah so they're super so, super radical so like terror feminism yes. <laughs> right yeah here abby rockefeller starts terror feminism oh wait a minute zillionaire family 
starting terror feminism. Yeah. 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 She was like a radical separatist. She thought that women should just completely like have full separate like Amazon jungle communities from men where they just don't even associate with men or talk to them. And um, it's, it's, it's always, it always ties back to the same threads of these really old ideas, right? Of like, um, who was the guy who had the, um, in 1930, when he wrote the manifesto about what life was going to be like in a hundred years, when we were all going to have test tube babies and Lord all that Birkenhead. sort of thing. Yes. Lord Birkenhead. She thought, yeah, that's great. We can just be separatists because we're all just going to have test tube babies. We'll have artificial wombs. Like technology is going to let us be um, anything other than human. They always are trying to escape their human condition yeah. so that they don't have to submit to God and so that they can be gods and things like that. Um, and it's fun that you mentioned that the Rockefellers dumped $70 million into ecumenism because remember we were talking about the Loose Foundation guys. And as I said, he was Skull and Bones. He was a member of the Bohemian Club. His partner that he started his magazine with was also. Um, and so he became this media mogul, right? So he's already captured what were the major magazines of the time, the main media influences of the time. And then after that, um, Henry Luce created the Henry Luce Initiative on Religion and International Affairs. And this was created to influence scholars who advise policymakers, domestic and foreign. They dumped $60 million into this initiative over 16 years to infiltrate academic, public policy and media organizations. It says this, right on his wikipedia page it says it right on the loose foundation page they don't hide it they they just reframe it as a good thing like oh look we're freeing you from these grumpy old patriarchal institutions that make you be that have like this strict idea of morality why can't everything be moral why can't we just do as we will why can't we just do what thou wilt right it's that's what it always gets back to is they want to remove any objective standards of morality or behavior or religion so that they can insert whatever they need to insert for that to work. So yeah, this is huge money. For anyone to say that this doesn't happen, it's like, you know, we're talking $60 million over 16 years back in the 1930s and 40s. That's a lot of money in today's money. And that never stopped. In fact, the Rockefellers and like Luce, they were just the first people to kind of figure out this model. And it's only grown from there. And you have the Tides Foundation. I mean, the list of foundations, Jay will tell you, it's so long, you could never even get through all of them. You could never even uh, get to all the people who are on all the different boards and foundations and then all the overlap, you would go crazy. Because like, if you look at the McCain Foundation, who's on the board of directors, you'll find that three or four of them are also over here on the Ford Foundation board. And three or four of those guys are also over here on this board or this new initiative or they're in the World Economic Forum, and then they're also in this organization. So it's it's like a very coordinated effort that influences all the... In so institutional capture really is the standard. It's not some weird right. exception. It's not some weird thing that happens occasionally. It's, it's the way that these entities function. Yeah, and then I get people asking, oh, so you're, you're saying that the Orthodox Church is all captured. No, 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 I didn't say that. So the Orthodox yeah. Church is decentralized, thank God. And it runs on jurisdictions that uh, are not overlapping, typically. Now, they might overlap in terms of some dis territorial disputes, but the idea of autocephalous churches and of, of uh, 
limited jurisdictions is a firewall against institutional capture. And when we look at the Roman Catholic Church, we see a great example of institutional capture, not just with Vatican II and John Paul II and all that, um, but in full fruition with the person of Francis, right? I mean, Francis is now becoming one of the greatest examples of institutional capture. And that's because that's that, it's a straight top-down Vatican I model. So that makes it much easier. Um, but the Orthodox model is different, and so it makes it much more difficult to destroy from within. But you do have uh, periods, you do have many instances where you get the state in history infiltrating the church to try to change it. Think about the Arian crisis. The 4th century, only a few bishops were uh, actually Orthodox with St. Athanasius, and they weren't Arian or Semi-Arian. Most of the bishops were Semi-Arian. They weren't even fully Arian. They were Semi-Arian. And then in the iconoclasm crisis, most of the secular bishops were supporting the iconoclast emperor and the heresy of iconoclasm. And you had lay people and monks were the chief driving force against the heresy of ecumenism. In the, in the Council of Florence, the exact same thing where the majority of the Orthodox world rejected what almost the entirety of the patriarchates had caved on, right? Not all of them, but you had a, almost a complete capture uh, if it was not for St. Mark of Ephesus and others standing up against the false Union Council of Florence and the worship of papal geo geopolitical power. We're now at the same juncture, and what's going on isn't really just about changing the Orthodox ethos and, and morality. That's part of it. But there's a longer game that is being played, which I covered in my last stream, which is to move these churches not just in the direction of new morality, but back into the sphere of Rome. And the reason they want to move the churches, especially Orthodoxy, back to the sphere of Rome, which Bartholomew openly talks about, it's not a conspiracy theory, he openly talks about it all the time, is because the papacy is that captured institution per, per excellence. And if you can get the Orthodox Church back under the captured institution of the papacy, it's all the more easy to then turn all of this into the new world religion, which we are seeing emerge right now with the Abu Dhabi faith center of the Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians all worshiping together. Francis's uh, Fratelli Tutti included prayers for Unitarians, a papal encyclical now including prayers for evangelicals and Unitarians and non-Trinitarians in his encyclical. So it's not hard to figure out if you have discernment, but so many people have lost discernment. They have no discernment at all mm -hmm. in the Orthodox world too. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and just to show some continuity between what Jay's talking about now and in his last stream and what we're talking about with Fordham and the Luce Foundation, remember that Henry Luce was best pals with John Foster Dulles and that the Luce Foundation has an 80-year track record of cooperating with the CIA and helping them with all of their stuff. And the foundation was really created kind of as a philanthropic guise under which to do that, right? So these, these foundations are often 
if not always, tied in with intelligence as well, just like the Vatican and just like John Courtney Murray, the book that you're always talking about. It's it's very continuous. It's like really, really easy to, once you see the pattern, it's like, oh, this is all everywhere. But yeah. yeah, there will be people who resist. They'll never get every single person everywhere, but all they have to do is get enough at the top of each institution exactly. to have the majority of the influence and control over what they do. So, yeah, and I mean the just the straight up hardcore facts demonstrate all this. So, yeah, we are not talking about theory. We are talking about actual white papers and actual funding that are public on all of these journalists and activists and academics websites okay so there's no conspiracy theorizing here it's all straight from their own writings and their own documents yes and ultimately it's to it's to yeah it's 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 a i mean the motivation of satanic but so there's also a longer geopolitical plan that we have to keep in mind which i did cover uh in the last stream but i want to remind everybody that you can read about that here because bartholomew has talked about this openly for many many years his ultimate goal, he says, when the time is right, is to go back to Francis, his buddy Francis. And if you can't see that erecting a common Abu Dhabi faith center together with anti-Trinitarians, that that's a problem, then you have lost discernment. You don't have the faith. That's a problem with you guys. It's not a problem with me. It's not a problem with our side, right? Anyway, I, I'm getting way off in, in terms of theology, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, um, it, it, it's also connected to your book. I mean, people don't understand that like part of what you're talking about ties into a fem the feminist stuff because that's part of the attack on the priesthood, the attack on God the Father, the attack on patriarchy is part of why you've got to have women priests. Yes, there was a lady preacher person on twitter having an absolute panic attack yesterday because i guess the baptist convention said again this year they're not going to do female clergy and she was having an epic meltdown and she quoted um matthew 28 the great commission and was like i guess they just left out the whole great commission part where it says we're supposed to baptize the nations i'm like lady the whole context of that was christ sending out to his his apostles and the 70 right and saying i am making you priests i'm giving you the power to remit and retain sins you are to go and baptize it was not a, a a thing to tell women that they should become priests whatsoever but they will take this stuff and just random like meme generator pick a verse and make it right. sound feminist or whatever and use it to try to push this nonsense that it's unfair that it's it's not fair we have to have equality and it's like if nobody's gonna push back on that think about what that would really look like think about what it would really look like if we just had widespread lady priests and there was no more patriarchy there was no more patriarchate there was just it's like the the foundational blocks of what we believe in and people think you can just toss that out. It's the same thing as going, well, we can say prayers for the Unitarians and Pacamama and all these other things where you're essentially saying nothing anymore. Like if if Christianity is just, it can be Unitarian, it right. can be pagan, 
then it means nothing. And that's what they want because it takes away any power that it has. And it makes yeah, it the salt loses its Yeah, the salt loses its its uh, flavor, then it's, it's worthless. It's only to be thrown out, right? So if you if you lose your saltiness, it's you, you're you're not you don't you're worthless, right? It doesn't do anything. That's that's what Jesus yes. says in the Sermon on the Mount. So yeah. um and by the way, what are the warnings? What does Jesus say about harming little ones? So again, I have to stress that the people that are that are aligning themselves with these people uh, are people who uh, are open about now. Yeah, we want the kids. It's not just about Skittles marriage. Now it's about yeah, we want your kids. How do you how do you get to the kids? Right? How do you get to the kids? You remove the dads, and then you get to the moms. And now you've got yes, the kids. Exactly. So this is the reason why if you look at like 1960, when only like 6% of kids were born to out of wedlock parents versus uh, I think the most recent stat I have is like 2014, that now 58% of children are born to out of wedlock parents. Most biological kids or most kids now have not both biological parents in the home with them growing up. And if you look at the rates of abuse, of what happens to children when there's some other adult who's not the biological parent. And I'm not saying step parents are bad. There's plenty of great step parents. I'm just saying statistically, removing the father from the family makes the mother very vulnerable. It makes the children extra vulnerable. And it's a great situation for people who are predators. And so it's the same kind of idea. If you want to get to the children, you get the men out of the way. And the women are very easily influenced. And they will go along with something if it sounds like, we just want to be nice. We just want to be nice. Don't you want to be nice? And when we're like, well, yeah, we want to be nice. And don't you, don't you want your kids to be nice? Well, yeah, I want my kids to be nice. Well, then you have to be equal and you have to let these people in and you have to let this ideology in because otherwise you're being exclusive. And like I said, women are much more susceptible to this kind of shaming, uh, whereas the dads will stand in the way and kind of be like, what? No, absolutely not. And women have a lot of influence over public schools. They go to the conferences. They go to, you know, this was traditionally like the women's sphere is to take care of the children and the community and the schools and the churches. So yes, they want you to be feminist and they want you to think you don't need a man and that anyone can be a priest and anyone can be a dad and anyone can be a mom and you can have surrogates and all this stuff that you're seeing now. It's just well, a very it's, easy it's, way to get to the it's kids. A, it's the curse of sterility and barrenness and in scripture, those are actual curses. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a woman, an individual, and you can't have kids, that you're necessarily cursed. No. We see many saints in scripture, many women in scripture who can't have kids, and they're lauded and praised. And it's not their fault. Uh, so that's not my point. But my point right. is that when there should be fruitfulness, when there should be these kinds of things, the barrenness is a curse in scripture. And so... To adopt these things, as many, for example, Protestant denominations that adopted the Skittles stuff, those are dying denominations. Mm -hmm. You understand that, and this is like factually Pew Research information. Yeah, that's at the beginning of my article. I have a bunch of stats about the decline of Protestant Christianity. Oh, um, let's see here. Notice, guys, the Protestants that accepted all of this stuff uh, 190, 80 years ago, foisted upon them by the foundations that we're talking about, those are now dying. In other words, there yes. will not be, for example, Cumberland Presbyterians in 20 or 30 years. There will not be mainline PCUSA Presbyterians in 50 years. There will not be mainline Lutherans in 30 or 40 years. Their own studies show this yes. because they have adopted the curse of sterility in these liberal ideologies to their own self-destruction. 
and the OCA people that are doing this and going this in direction, you will also go under that same curse of barrenness and you will kill your own jurisdictions and churches and denominations. Yeah, I mean, isn't it ironic that these uh, Skittles outreach groups, the way they sell it, so what they approach a church with a bunch of money, and this is Protestant churches because they tend to be much more, um, they have the opposite problem of the Catholics uh, where they don't have any centrality usually, very, very little. It's very autocephalous to the point that there's like hardly ever a governing body at all. Um, so they just approach them with a bunch of money and they go, look, uh, your membership numbers are dwindling, right? And the church says, yeah. And they go, well, look, if you open it up, it's kind of the same thing they tell Republicans. You just need to have a big tent and let everyone in and then you'll be popular and then you'll win and have all this influence. Well, no, it just means that you don't mean anything. You don't stand for anything. So um, this was a Gallup poll from 2020 that found that only 47% of Americans said they belong to a church down from 70% in 1999. And when Gallup started keeping track in 1937, it was at about 73% church membership. So from 1937 to 1999, that number stayed pretty steady at 70% of Americans having membership in a church. And now it's less than half, it's 47%. Um, and there's just, the decline gets worse every year. When you look at people that even go to church more than once or twice a year, that number is right. super low. Yeah, and some people are saying, how do I know? How do I know? Uh, I mean, if your bishops are openly aligned with the Democratic Party, maybe the, that's a good sign. Okay, so mm -hmm. it's not that hard to figure it out, guys, if you're if you're in these, some of these jurisdictions. Um, you know, you can go on their websites. You can go figure out what their positions are, where they stand. And uh, don't give money to bishops that are openly supporting Joe Biden, that are openly supporting all of this Skittles. Why would you give those people your money? I'm not asking for that money. Go find a good church that doesn't do that and give them your money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I would agree. And like Jay said, it's not super hard to find out. I mean, if, you, if you're if you going to the church, you should kind of know what they're pushing and what they're telling people. And if they're, you know, saying that Skittle stuff is just something you're born with that you can't help and God loves that. And he thinks it's exactly the same as husband and wife you know, marriage, if, if they're saying it's exactly the same, uh, no, that's not what the position of the church has been for 2000 years. Why would it suddenly be the position now? I mean, it's, it seems very easy to understand to me, but, um, I know some churches like my church made a little bit of a concession with the coof stuff where our priest kind of said, look, I do not believe that venerating icons or taking the Eucharist is going to make you sick. We don't believe that. But if you absolutely are scared, I understand some people are scared. We have a little section over here where you can go. If you want to go over here and isolate and wear a mask and those sort of things, you can do that over here. But I'm not going to make the whole church change the Eucharist or change how we venerate or change how we worship or anything like that. So like that would be something reasonable where the person is really actually trying to deal with a scared population. But if you had somebody who was telling you like, no, we're shutting it down and we're not doing communion and we're not venerating icons or you have to change all those things, I think that's a big red flag. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to the super chats. We've got some good ones here. Uh, let's see. We have Rab Rabbi Lampshade, $3. Jay, I've been learning a lot from your videos. What are your thoughts about national divorce? 
I don't know what you mean. I guess you mean uh, replacement theology or the idea that the church is Israel. I mean, that's what Paul says. Cooter Brown, $10. You guys are crushing it. This is an important stream. Also, uh, will you do a cocaine bear analysis? It looks like a funny movie, so probably. <laughs> J. Mel, $50. I live in Seattle. I'm surrounded by Skittles. Uh, Father Hopko's book, Same Sex Attraction, helped me reconcile with what's around me. This is a fantastic stream. Thanks for Rachel. Thank you to Rachel. Uh, thank you, J. Mel. I've not read that book, but uh, it sounds like it helps you out. That's good. Uh, let's see. Joseph Siambra, $5. God bless you, Jay, for being brave. One of the reasons that I went to Rocor Church was over uh, Skittles and Catholicism. I hope that they, ne I think they will never go full Fruit Loop. I might be wrong, but I won't see it in my lifetime. Right. So, you know, there's not like a perfect jurisdiction. People misunderstand that. Um, it's just that the organized opposition to what I'm doing mainly is coming from the OCA and then obviously elements of uh, the uh, Antiochians as well, obviously with Father Damick and Ben Cabe. So, I mean, that's not hard to figure out. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to name a bunch of names in terms of all the other clerics and who it is. But again, I mean, if you're in those jurisdictions and these people are openly supporting Biden, openly supporting communing people that, uh, and it's like they'll commune Skittles openly and then try to excommunicate people that talk about Skittles. Right. That's, that's what's going on. That's the absurd hypocrisy that's going on here. So DM $5. Jay, thank you for your content. What are your thoughts on old calendarist churches? Uh, I mean, as long as they're not schismatic, if they've been reconciled to the church, it's fine with me. I mean, I go to Rocor church does the old calendar. James Cotardis, Cotaritis, $5. Jay, G.K. Chesterton was a bulwark against Fabian Socialists. That's correct. He did write against the Fabian Socialists and he wrote against the eugenics. Sure. He wrote a defense, quote, orthodoxy. Yeah, I'm aware of his book, Orthodoxy and Heterodoxy. Traditional Catholic. Are you familiar with Chesterton? Yes, I've been familiar with Chesterton for 20 years. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the style of writing of Chesterton, so I'm just... I've never really gotten into it, but I, I do appreciate his stance against the eugenicists, the Fabians, the technocrats in England. Bayes Pay Piggy, $25. Thank you for explaining the nuances here. God bless Jay, Jamie, and Rachel and Andrew. Thank you, Bayes Pay Piggy. Much appreciated. Palantir, $1. It's crazy when you understand satanic ideas of subversion, and then you look at the symbol of the rainbow, which is God's covenant with Noah, Thank you for the stream. Yeah, that's an inversion of the covenant with nature, and this is something unnatural. Yeah. So that's exactly why. Petty, $20. God bless you guys. God bless you, Petty. Much appreciated. Guys, remember to subscribe to Rachel's channel. Uh, here is Rachel's uh, article that gets into the details of this on her Substack. Anything you want to leave us with before we go? I, I've, I've told everybody, uh, everybody should get your book, Occult Feminism, The Secret history of women's liberation but what other any other messages or, or things or thoughts you want to leave us with uh well the reason i started a youtube channel is because i seem to be like this tiny minority as a woman online i'm <laughs> um, talking about this and i can't help that i was born in the time and place that i am but that's god's providence and somebody has to push back on this over feminization of society this demonization of men and patriarchy and fatherhood and the priesthood, like these are essential things that I care about a lot. So I'm really trying to help people understand 
the level of brainwashing of why feminism is just like everyone's default worldview now, why um, the family has been pretty much destroyed, why the birth rates are like at a catastrophic low that could be like a society ending thing if it continues on this trajectory. Like these are really heavy, big, serious topics, but I'm hoping to make it kind of fun and informative and help people just understand this kind of stuff and how to combat it in their own life because it can be really hard. You feel like you're swimming upstream against the entire current of society by just trying to have what would have been considered a normal life in my grandma's time, right? So yes. actually going to be interviewing my 96-year-old grandma for the channel and asking her what the last hundred years living through it and seeing all the changes has been like. So that should be fun. And I've done a series that I started with Patrick about the patriarchy, what the patriarchy is and what it's not, because it's been very unfairly demonized. People hear that word and they think uh, abuse of women, right? It's not the case. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of turn the tide. And I think especially with women, if you just give them permission to be women, that's, that's what, what they, they want to do. Mm. So I'm, I'm just, just trying to make that cool and permissible again and make those, those women, women feel, feel not so alone. And, you know, hopefully help some families in the future. Somebody's got to talk to the women about this. Jay can't do it. The men in our sphere can't do it because it's just instantly seen as misogynist. So that's what I'm trying to do. If you guys would like to support me, go sub to my channel, uh, sub to my sub stack, buy my book, any of that kind of stuff. And I'm just going to keep going. Awesome. And I want to remind everybody too, uh, that we have a show sponsor, our favorite the best, the most awesome uh, of all supplements in the supplement universe. That is chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Head on over to chalk.com. Use the promo code J50 to get 50% off any of the products in that store. They've, they've got everything you could imagine. Tonka Ali, that's great for boosting testosterone. They have the, the studies, peer-reviewed studies, showing that it actually does boost testosterone. We want to up our toxic masculinity. We want to be toxically masculine. We celebrate that here. And uh, be sure and go watch Rachel's series that she's doing with uh, David Patrick Harry over at Church of Eternal Logos. Um, go and get you some Iris Moss. If you're one of the ladies that has uh, hormone imbalances, well, guess what? Iris Moss is great for that. Guess what else they've got? Action 2.0 to boost those energy levels when you're running low, but you want to get in the gym every day. You want to be in the habit of doing that. She legit mental focus and clarity. Jamie has been burning through the books once again because she's back on the she legit. So if you want that mental focus and clarity that only comes with she legit, which is kind of becoming the rage with carnivore keto people now, they're loving to take she legit. Mm -hmm. It's a great product. I highly recommend it. Use the promo code J50 to get 50% off. And I want to say too that if you don't want to keep putting that stupid code in, and you just want that recurring subscription, use the promo code J60LIFE, J60LIFE. That'll get you 60% off all recurring subscriptions over here on Bigot Central. This is Bigot Central. We're here crafting together like alchemists in our dark alchemy lab, new sources <laughs> of toxic masculinity, new sources. Putin and Dugan are on the phone right now telling me through their sorcery lines, through the ether, how to make <laughs> potions and concoctions to turn the men into bigots. Jay's turning the men into bigots, and I'm trying to force all the women back into the kitchen. 
There we go. Yeah, um, that's what we're about, I guess. That's what we're about. <laughs> uh, so, so you get Rachel's book. Also, guys, remember you can uh, get over to our other sponsor, which is Richard Grove over at TragedyHope.com, the, the best geopolitical podcast out there besides my own when we cover that topic, which we did today for Lord Voldemort. Go check that out over on my Rockfin. I'll have the Lord Voldemort show that we did today on my Rockfin here in a little bit. And uh, note, guys, that the uh, new season of the philosophy course will be out. We'll be starting March 9th. That means that if you sign up for the tutor option, I will be there March 9th and every successive Thursday giving you one-on-one -on -one tutoring for that History of Western Philosophy class for 12 uh, weeks, 30-ish, 35 hours of lectures, and then you get me for tutoring. You don't have to get the tutoring option. You can get the single option of the do-it-yourself, just the course. Both of those uh, uh, pay payment options are there as well as uh, installments. Richard put installments in there. So again, follow Richard over at uh, Rockfin on Tragedy and Hope on uh, Grand Theft World um, and look for the summit we're having this weekend. Richard's got a bunch of uh, liberty-minded individuals who are into homesteading, self-sufficiency, uh, starting a farm, starting a garden, starting your own business. All of that Richard is putting together for this weekend at the what did he? There's so many things going on. I can't even keep up with it. He called it the the Autonomy Summit, I think is what he called it. Um, but that is over. If you go to Richard's Twitter, uh, scroll down. I'm going to reshare that right now because I think I forgot. I was going to reshare that earlier. Uh, One more thing I should mention too. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. If sure. you guys are interested in that kind of thing, the self-sufficiency, homesteading, homeschooling. I have a homeschooling series on my channel also, and I'm going to have Professor John Kleisick on next week with me talking about his book, School World Order, and he's going to give us all the details on the education system in America and what you might want to know about that, and then lots of homeschooling tips and advice too. So, Yeah, he's a cool guy. I, I interviewed him a couple of years ago. We had a good conversation, and uh, yeah, his book is also from my publisher, as is Whitney Webb's book too. Uh Where's the summit? Here we go. Uh, so the summit is this. I'm going to share it again for you guys. March 5th. So maybe that's next weekend. Excuse me. Whenever the 5th is. Uh, it will be myself, James Corbett, Last American Vagabond, uh, Benny Wills, uh, our buddy, uh, Charlie Robinson over at uh, Microaggression, Richard Grove, and others. So here is that. Go and uh, sign up for that if you want at the University of Reason. I just shared it to the top of my Twitter. So that'll be uh, March 5th. And I think that's it. So thank you so much, Rachel. And uh, be sure and subscribe to Rachel's channel, guys. It's linked in the show description. And also get her book. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Great conversation. And I really uh, always impressed at your research and how much, uh, you know, connections, how many, how much digging in and the fact, the fact, the fact, the, the fact, fact, the fact, the fact. The fact. fact. All the facts that you put together, like, uh, <laughs> like, a, like you're just a fact machine. You just like that's that's, that's me. I'm a fact, fact generator. That not I a fax, not a fax machine. A fact machine. Uh, there's nothing I love more than diving into a deep research hole, rabbit hole. Me so, too. Yeah, love, love that, that stuff. stuff. All right, awesome. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much, and have a good night.